I'm uh, working on redesigning the downstairs area, which is, which I very much enjoy doing. Making it into uh, a place where families can join, if, maybe if they have kids and kids are rowdy or teenagers and the parents want to come and the kids don't. <laughs> There's a place that they can hang out downstairs with a guardian or if a teenager can just hang out down there, have some tea or snacks, sit around and have a big screen TV up there so that if parents are down there or we have overflow, um, we'll get, you know, Arjun Tomato here will probably have more people attend than actually can fit in the building, which has happened a number of times. He's been with us six or seven times, you know, since the very beginning of Port and Friends of the Dhamma. So, um, and always it's an overflow. Uh, and we'll have a big screen TV down there so people will be able to sit down and not miss what's going on up here. Uh, it's, it's very rewarding. Um, to do, and it's been interesting watching my mind as I'm doing this. I'm not used to, I, I've been an artist all my life and, uh, ever since I can remember. I love doing creative, uh, artistic exercises um, or activities, but I've never do this publicly. So. You know, this is like an art project for me. And uh, and sometimes I change colors and then, you know, like, oh, that color doesn't really quite work. I'm gonna do this. I might change the, the um, rearrange the furnitures, um, but doing it publicly, which I've never done before, leaves me open to people's uh, comments. I believe it will anyway. And um, <laughs> I'm kind of anticipating that. <laughs> I've actually requested the board. I said, okay, I'm gonna start now. And uh, I appreciate your silent <laughs> observation as this moves along. <laughs> um, I'm not telling you to be silent, but what I'm saying is that I'm, I'm paying attention to this because this is a learning curve for me. Um, why should this bother me? Why should I, uh, you know, feel uncomfortable with, I feel more vulnerable. And so I'm, I'm finding this very interesting. And the why is because hmm, would be the only answer I can come up with is because I want uh you know, I'm, I'm building up an identity with what people say about this as meaning something about me, which is silly, um, you know, it's a, but it's a good thing to recognize. It's a good exercise for me because I can see where I am holding on to the views and opinions of others as a valid um, judgment about my self-worth. <laughs> so, so just be careful what you say to me. No, I'm just joking. 
So I'm finding this fascinating because I wouldn't have thought that this would, that I'd be, I would have thought I'm beyond this kind of sensitivity, but apparently I'm not, you know, so it's a really good exercise for me to, uh, to be public with um, an art installation, put it that way. On the other hand, I just, I love doing this kind of project. I, I find it really nourishing and really ex uh, makes me really happy, actually. I love beautifying atmospheres. I, I love the whole process of hosting. And, um, but nobody comes into my kitchen before I'm ready to host a dinner. And in this case, people will be walking through as I'm preparing. And uh, so I'm finding that uh, fascinating, fascinating and a learning curve. So Ajahn Sumedho is coming next week and his um, theme that we came up with together is, let's see if I can remember, peace is a simple step. And it comes out of this, it comes from this book. His uh, piece is a simple step. It's um, volume one of his trilogy. Uh, well, it's not a trilogy. There's actually four books and it's an anthology. Um, we don't have any more of these right now to, to give away, but I think we might have some individual books down there. I'm not sure. Anyway, these are really uh, wonderful, but this will be the topic he'll be speaking about next week. And I'll read a little bit out of it in a, in a moment. And um, he talks about, you know, feelings. I'm only going to read a little bit, but this book, he talks about how, you know, feelings, thoughts and feelings are just part of the conditioned world. And when we can look at them and realize that, they are not a description of who and what we are as an individual, as a person, but a habitual way of responding to the human realm. It's just a habitual way of responding to the human realm. Then we can, we have the opportunity to realize the unconditioned. So the condition being the conditioned world and being emotion, you know, the, all the things about our personality, the, the, the body, perceptions, consciousness, the, 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 the way the, the mind thinks and what the mind thinks and the heart feels in response. And you know, all this is conditioned way of responding to the mundane world. They go hand in hand, but they arise and pass away in the unconditioned. What has nothing to do with this atmosphere of emptiness, this atmosphere where there isn't, uh, that's not moved or colored by what we're feeling, by what we're thinking, by her, our habitual reactions, you know? There is a possibility when we recognize, oh, this is just a condition. It's just a condition. That 
acknowledgement should we realize it's just a condition that arises and passes away. When we realize this, we have the opportunity to also realize what is not conditioned. You know, it's like what's coming to mind is like, you know, you see these little videos with a, like there'll be a picture of a horse and a little kid and the video will be titled, wait for it. <laughs> so it's like, oh, it's just a condition. Wait for it. Stay aware with the passing of the condition. And that's enters you right into, you can then you have the possibility and the opportunity to recognize the unconditioned and the unconditioned is not an object. It's not a thing. It's, it's not, you can't use words, but I have to use, but I'm using words because I don't have another way of relating it, but it's an awareness of the way things actually are as they arise and pass away. It's an awareness of the condition. It's awareness of how they arise and how they exist and how they pass away. And then we see how it, it all ties together in the mundane world. You know, that it's all related. You know, my, my way of reacting is related to my conditioning from when I was growing up, possibly past lives. You know, it's just like, Mm. it's related to the mundane world. And that, and that relationship is in the past. It's already, it's happened. And now it's like, I have a knee jerk reaction. I'm trying to think of something right now. Um, mm, <laughs> I can think of big things. I'm trying to think of a small thing. Um, I have a uh, knee-jerk reaction to thinking I might disappoint my daughter. And so I, Alistair got sick uh, with COVID. Uh, I didn't, I, I tested when he tested positive, I tested myself as well. I didn't have it, but I also I decided to, you know, isolate for five days and take the test again because you don't show a positive before you start showing symptoms. You anyway, just to be precautious and that I wouldn't spread it. I told my daughter I can't take Jameson, my grandson, for my usual Wednesday. Uh, but I'll take him next week because there's just a five-day. Well, Alistair wasn't well the next week, so I didn't take him then either because I was focused on, on Alistair. And um, so we didn't take him the next week either. And now we're both, he's well, I never got it. He's, he's perfectly fine and is not testing positive anymore. And so I will take Jameson on Wednesday. And yet there's still this feeling in my, in, my habitual way of reacting in my mind and in my heart is that I have disappointed my daughter and she, she showed no indication that she was disappointed, but I told myself, you know, that's not a, being a good Nana. 
that's not being a good daughter. I should be there for her. Uh, you know, it's, it's a relief for her for me to take Jameson for a day. And then, so I, I say these things to myself and I feel it like, oh God, I'm sure I've disappointed her. It's, it's all made up. And it's just a habit that I have that I don't want to ever let down my children. <laughs> and yet I, I seem to do it. Like anybody who has kids knows what it feels like <laughs> to feel like you let them down yet once again. <laughs> so the holiday. <laughs> Every day. It's, you know, my daughter's 45 years old and I still, <laughs> she, she showed no indication she was disappointed. And yet my habit is <sighs> let her down again. It's just a condition. And I know better and I can, and that's an easy one because I know it's not true, but I also know I have a habit and in that, and that is true. I have a habit. There's a habit here. And I, I've, it's been built up for 45 years, you know, and it's not easy to, you can't just kill the habit. The habit doesn't just, you know, go away because I see it. It doesn't just go away because I know it's not re, uh, a description of the way things actually are. It's not a description of my relationship with my daughter. It's a description of my habit. Yeah, so if I can, so all I need to do is recognize, oh, there, here's, I feel it in my heart first, and then I can see, feel this disappointment. What's this about? Oh, I disappointed my daughter. Oh, there's that habit and that feeling. They're present, and I don't believe them. So it's wait for it, wait for it. go into the unconditioned where you're still aware, but you see the boundaries of the reality. It's not real. All this other space, all, everything else I'm aware of, there's this place where my awareness knows this is not true. So we turn our attention to this space where this habit arises Acknowledge it. This is what it feels like. Wait for it. Oh, it's okay, it's gone. I mean, I actually just did that now. We can feel it go away. It's not real. We can, I could bring it back up, but I don't want to. <laughs> we can bring it back up, but we can, and we can practice with this on easy things that aren't, not, not really big things. You know, to practice with it on really simple things. I really like ice cream. And I have a really hard time not over indulging in ice cream. So I found these, I don't know if you've ever heard of Yasso. Yeah. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Yogurt, Greek yogurt, frozen Greek yogurt tastes just like ice cream, <laughs> but it's the, the, the uh, popsicles are only 100 calories <laughs> each. <laughs> so what did I do? So I got in the habit of buying a whole bunch. And so what did I do last night, just yesterday? 
I ate three of them in a row. <laughs> They're only 100 calories. <laughs> that was only 100 calories. I didn't have another one. <laughs> it's like, oh, and it wasn't until that end of the third one. And I'm going, oh, <laughs> it's a little. Then I'm going, wait a minute. <laughs> There's that habit. There's a habit. Now here's the habit coming up that, what? You just, you're so hopeless. You are, you just, you have no restraint. It's like, yeah, that's what happened here. I lacked restraint. I lacked, okay. But it's, I'm not a person who has no restraint. I had to restrain to change the habit of ice cream to yaso, to Greek yogurt, frozen Greek yogurt. I mean, really, listen, they have a frozen Greek yogurt bar that has a bunch of brownies in it. <laughs> and then they have another one that has caramels, salted caramel swirls. <laughs> I have some down in the freezer here. <laughs> so if anybody wants to try one, there's some in the freezer downstairs. <laughs> what would you say? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so just seeing this as a habit, this is the way things are. I do lack restraint around ice cream and frozen yogurt. <laughs> you know, and so I just find, re find ways to support myself to restrain otherwise. But so that's a really easy one to actually take as, oh, here comes that feeling. Geez, you did it again. You have no restraint. Oh, there's that habit of putting myself down and believing it's true. Well, it's not true. You know, it's just, it's, it's not true. It's the, what's true is it doesn't feel good when I believe in these habits of being a description of who I actually am. That's what doesn't feel good. So, I'm running out of time, so I'll go ahead and read this. It just take, it takes about five minutes. But um, so on page 77 from the book, Arden Tomato's book, volume one, Peace is a Simple Step, and this is the thing he's going to be speaking on next week. Sometimes we might be very courageous, very noble-hearted. At certain moments, we can find ourselves doing the most wonderful things, acting in a most courageous way. But at other times, the opposite is the case. We wonder, how do such ugly thoughts come into my mind? If I were really good, I would never have such ugly thoughts or feelings. But we can realize, without trying to become anything, that these conditions are just that. Whether they are noble, brave, and courageous, or weak, wishy-washy, ignoble, and stupid, they are still only conditions dependent on all kinds of factors that we can't predict or control, begin to realize that on the conditioned level of samsara, everything is affecting everything. We can't say I'm going to isolate myself completely from everything so that nothing affects me because everything affects everything all the time. On the conditioned level, there's nothing much we can do except recognize, realize, although we do have a choice. We can use our bodies for good rather than evil action. That's where the choice comes. If you're mindful and wise, 
You skillfully use your body and speech for that which is kind, compassionate, charitable, and moral in relation to other beings and to the earth you live on. What goes on in the mind could be anything, maybe even the desire to kill somebody, but that is something you don't act on. You just recognize it. You can recognize it as only a condition and not self, not a personal problem. Have any of you ever had any murderous impulses wanting to kill somebody? I have. I can understand murder. I've never murdered anybody, never come close to it, but I have certainly had murderous thoughts. Where did those thoughts come from? Is there something rotten inside of me that I should start worrying about? Or is it just the natural tendency of a mind to want to annihilate something that makes you feel totally repelled and averse? That's natural enough. Killing is part of nature. It goes on all the time. Animals kill each other. Just listen some night in the forest. You hear killing going on all the time. Rabbits screaming as foxes grab their throats. It's a natural inclination. It's nothing abnormal. But as moral, responsible human beings, as religious seekers, although we might have murderous impulses, we do not act upon them. Instead, we fully recognize those impulses as just that, as impulses, as conditions. What I mean by recognizing is the realization they are just that not creating a problem, not making complications by saying we shouldn't have such impulses or I am an evil person because such impulses came through my mind and starting to create a neurosis around it. Recognizing is just that clear realization as it really is because that's what we can know directly without speculation, without belief. So that's a realization, realizing the conditioned as the conditioned. As we become more at ease with the conditioned, rather than deluded reacting, deluded, reacting helplessly to conditions, absorbed into them, rejecting or annihilating them, we begin to be aware of the unconditioned, the space of the mind. You think that conditions are everything, but they have to come from something. Since they are impermanent, where do they come from? And what do they disappear into? As you watch, you begin to feel and experience. As you watch, you begin to feel or experience the emptiness or the wholeness or the unconditioned, whatever word you want to use. Whatever word you use, it isn't quite it. We say the unconditioned, that which is not born, does not die. That's realization too. For those of you who have realized that, that's reality. The conditioned is reality, but the quality or appearance of a condition is not ultimate reality. It's only a conventional appearance, the way things seem to be on habitual conventional level. Buddhist meditation is the practice of being awakened, being Buddha by recognizing, by realizing the way things really are as you directly experience them pain in your knees, a feeling of happiness, any sensation, thought, memory, or emptiness without grasping, without selecting, picking, or choosing. We develop the equanimous heart, the mind that is balanced, full, complete, and whole, seeing things as they really are, no longer deluded by anything, 
by no thing or by nothing. So it's a book uh, that you can download online. Peace is a Simple Step by Ajahn Smeda. And it's all about the unconditioned, all about recognizing and how we grasp onto the conditioned and make ourselves out of it, thinking this is who and what I am based on conditions. And this shows us, walks us through how to stop grasping on the condition and wake up to the unconditioned. It's, it's worth getting. So with that, we'll go ahead and open it up for input. Jessica, would you like to share anything? Uh, <clears throat> yeah, just to say that <clears throat> where I you know, find hope and support around this topic is with the Buddha. You know, he, he was very aware of the conditions that the monks and nuns, the monastic sangha and the lay people were dealing with. And, you know, particularly, I was laughing at you because <laughs> immediately I was like, oh, they sell yasas at Costco. I'm definitely going to get Sakula, but I'm definitely not going to get you a box now because I'm <laughs> But, um, you know, the, the Buddha talked a lot about food and um, about taking the middle way with food and not overindulging. We talked about this last week um, at Vesaka Puja, not overindulging in food, but also not depriving ourselves. And he, um, he set up pretty strong constraints around food as well for the monastic sangha, not eating afternoon, you know, one meal a day, uh, just taking medicines in the evening. And then for lay people who want to practice with that, you know, in addition to taking the moral, the moral precepts, which we did last week together, uh, you can, you can sort of add that on practicing once a week or once a month with these stronger constraints around food and not to make things, you know, more difficult or fraught for us. Um, but, you know, as Nicole was saying, just to watch what is it like to actually completely set aside uh, food for the evening? What is it like to spend more time in practice? What is it like to watch the mind go? I want it, I want it, I want it, I want it. And that's all conditions. And when you said, I was thinking, I'm trying to think of something that simple or easy that, you know, brings up something for me right away. I was like, snow, (laughs) that's not a bad thing. But, you know, the second snow is in the forecast the clothes texting me we're gonna get snow so even those impulses to move towards something and i'm like even (laughs) even those impulses to move towards something and then for me to move away from it we all respond to these conditions really differently and it's like you said just an an opportunity to watch to watch the mind appreciate your thoughts this morning 